Hey friends, welcome to God on Tap. As always, I am Nika Spaulding. And yesterday we looked at Gaza and Tyre and a little bit of what the Edomites were doing because they're mentioned. And today we're going to pick up, continue to talk about the foreign nations, and we're going to look at Edom, the Ammonites, and the Moabites. And so let's uh, jump right in. Here we go. We're going to look at Amos 1, uh, uh, verse 11, chapter 1, verse 11 through chapter 2, verse 3. Amos 1, 11 through 2, 3. And so here's the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast off all pity and his anger tore perpetually and he kept his wrath forever. So I will send a fire upon Teman and it shall devour the strongholds of Basra. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of the Ammonites and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have ripped open pregnant women in Gilead that they might enlarge their border. So I will kindle a fire in the wall of Rabbah and it shall devour her strongholds with shouting on the day of battle, with a tempest in the day of the whirlwind and their king shall go into exile. He and his princes together, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Moab and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because he burned to lime the bones of the king of Edom. So I will send a fire upon Moab and it shall devour the strongholds of Kiriath and Moab shall die amid uproar, amid shouting and the sound of the trumpet. I will cut off the ruler from its midst and will kill all its princes with him, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Folks, yesterday I, folks, that was weird. Uh, Yesterday I mentioned the Edomites and this is we are now getting to their turn so they've kind of been hinted at and they're like oh did you say our name and he was like oh don't wait (laughs) no it's coming for you bruh it's coming for you and so now Edom's having their moment and it's not a good moment you definitely don't probably want to show up in any oracles of judgment and by probably you do not want to show up in people's oracles of judgment but in order to understand what's going on in today's text so we gotta go I gotta tell you a story we gotta go way back and so here's the story that I already mentioned yesterday for Edomites but I want you to know where the Moabites and the Ammonites came from because it's going to play into our entire theme today which is the theme of relationships okay so major theme today and I, it's pretty incredible where the Bible takes us in this and so first one Edomites I already mentioned it but man named Abram Abraham, so Abe had Ike, Ike had Jake and Essie is what I want to call them. So Isaac has Jacob and Esau, they're brothers. Brothers are supposed to get along. You know how I know this? Because the theme of family is so unbelievably important in the book of Genesis. So like the book of Genesis is all about um, one, the wickedness, it starts with good news, really good news. We're made in the image of God. Yay, woo! And God's like, you can do whatever you want. Just don't eat from this tree. And we're like, that tree? He's like, yeah, that tree. Just don't eat from that tree. And they're like, that one? He's like, yeah. And they're like, so anyways, humans, right? Am I right? I'm sure you met a few. And so sin continues to expand from that moment that we ate from the apple. And I say we, because we would have done it too. Don't kid yourself. Uh, And so that expands and expands and expands. And then God's like, oh my goodness, this is getting way out of hand as if he didn't know, but he knew. So floods the earth, builds again. Uh, starts building a family through Noah. Noah's family continues to sin because as long as there's people on the earth, sin's going to keep happening. So then the Tower of Babel comes and God's like, for real, for real? And they're like, yeah, for real. We want to be really powerful. And he's like, oh my goodness. And so he spreads them. And then God's like, you know what? I've got a plan to save this whole crazy world. And it's going to start with a man named Abraham. 
Actually, his name was Abram at the time, but whatever. I'm going to start with a no-name man from a no-name country because God tends to do that. So he goes to Abram, who's in the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, and he says, hey, uh, I'm going to need you to go up to the land of Cana. And Abram's like, all right. And he's like, and hey, bro, you're going to have a son. He's like, oh, oh, well, you know, that'd be great and all, but I'm super old and so is my wife. And he's like, yeah, I didn't stutter. So they go up, they eventually have a child, but in the process, they take their nephew Lot with them. Okay, and this is going to come in later. So Abram goes up, and he's got his nephew Lot, and then they both become very prosperous because God is prospering them. Okay, fast forward. They have that son that he and his wife Sarah didn't think they were going to have, and Sarah was like, God. And he's like, did you just laugh? And she was like, no. And he's like, don't lie to me, woman. And so he ends up naming, God tells him to name the son Isaac, which means, you know, son of laughter, which is fun. And so then Isaac has Jacob and Esau. Again, this theme of family is so important, so important that so much so that later we're going to have this really weird story in the book of Genesis where there's a a gal named Tamar and she's married to the son of Judah. And Judah is a really important character in the Bible because the the king is going to come from the line of Judah. Judah's an important dude. He has a son. His son dies. According to Leveret laws in the Old Testament, which are these laws that have to do with marriage, he has to provide another son to Tamar in order for her to have a kid. So he gives him Onan. So Onan and Tamar are going to do the dirty, and they're going to have a kid. It's not the dirty if you're allowed to do it, I know, but go with me here. Sex is good in the covenant of marriage. Sex is good. There we go. Um, Onan, though, knows the laws. He's a, he's a thinker. I can tell he's a thinker. And Onan's thinking. He's sitting there thinking, you know, hand under his chin and head down thinking. He's like, you know, if I get Tamar pregnant, that, that son is not really my son. Because according to the Leverett Laws, he's really going to be the heir to my brother. And if my brother doesn't have any heirs, then I would get his inheritance. So, like, I definitely want to have sex with Tamar, but I don't want to get her pregnant. And Onan spills his semen on the ground, and God's like, bro, that is not okay. And God takes him out. Literally, he kills him. And so you can read that story, and you can be like, wow, um... God has very strong opinions about birth control. You could come away with that conclusion, or you could say God has very strong opinions about fulfilling your familial responsibilities, that family is really important. And that's a theme that happens over and over again in the book of Genesis. So what happens when families go awry? Well, I told you yesterday, Jacob and Esau do not get along. So much so that Jacob has to run away from home. Then when the brothers reunite, they are civil toward each other, but there's obviously enough of a discord that Jacob goes his other way. That The brothers do not get along. Esau eventually becomes the Edomites. And these are the very people that we're reading about in today's passage that are pursuing their brother with the sword and they have relentless anger. What started... Y'all, what started as a brother stealing his other's brother's birthright over a bowl of stew turns into the book of Amos telling us you guys are at war with each other and this is not healthy, that your anger perpetually burns against you. Okay, that's bad. Rewind. Go back to Genesis. And remember I told you about Abraham? He had that nephew Lot. Real interesting story there. So Abraham and Lot, they start to become super prosperous. And they're looking at each other like, well, listen, you're getting real wealthy. I'm getting real wealthy. It doesn't make a lot of sense for us to stay in the same part of the land. Uh, Uncle, is it okay with you if I kind of go and take a different part? And he's like, sure, sure. Where would you like to go? And he's like, um, 
There's this bustling metropolis known as Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, I've heard good things about him. You ever heard of him? And he's like, oh, okay, see you later. So Lot goes there and Sodom and Gomorrah, if you've never even read your Bible, probably know about this place because it's used in modern day parlance. Like you'll hear people say it's a modern day Sodom, which is their way of saying it's a modern day city of debauchery. I think people have referred to Vegas as that. Uh, shout out to Vegas, a city I loathe. And so Lot goes and lives in Sodom and Gomorrah. And it is a town that is uh, not walking with the Lord. We'll just say that. So much so that a messenger from God, the angel of the Lord, comes by Abraham's place. And he's like, hey, uh, what's up? And he's like, not much. What are you doing? And he's like, um, I'm going to go burn that city to the ground over there. And he's like, that one? And he's like, yeah. He's like, uh, that's a little problematic for me because I have a nephew over there. And again, family's super important. And I, I need you to not burn it to the ground. So uh, what if what if there's like, I don't know, like 50 righteous people there? And he's like, okay, sure. For 50, I'll spray the whole city. And Abram's like, okay, well, I'm not sure that there's going to be 50. So what about 40? And he's like, sure, yeah, for 40. Okay, sure. Well, Abraham eventually negotiates down to 10. Y'all, 10 righteous people in the whole city. I don't know how big the city was. I don't know. But the fact that there's not 10 of them tells you what's going on in that city. We eventually get a picture of what's going on in this city because the messengers show up and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah are like, hey, can you send them out here so we can like sexually defile them? Which is horrific. That is horrific. And rightfully, Lot's like, no, I cannot do that. But then weirdly offers his daughters, I think, in an effort to, I don't know. Again, this story is super weird and gross and sad. And it just gives you a picture of what's going on. So the angels of the Lord or the messengers from God are like, Lot, we have to get out of this city. We are going to take you out of the city and we're going to burn the city to the ground. He... He wants to take his whole family, but ultimately the only people that eventually come out are Lot and his two daughters, his older daughter and his younger daughter. He has son-in-laws. He has uh, a wife. He has other siblings. He might have other children. We don't know, but what we know is the only people that get rescued are Lot and his two daughters. Okay, this is where it's already horrific. Like, I'm not trying to make light of sexual sin or sexual violence. That is horrific. I'm just trying to get through the story because it's it's so gross. And so... Then Lot's two daughters, because they apparently do not understand uh, the Lord, I would say, and they don't understand provision. And rather than praying that God would provide, they take it upon themselves to say, well, our dad's the only one around here that could possibly impregnate us and we want children. Let's sleep with our dad. So they get their dad intoxicated and both daughters lie with their dad. Again, horrific. I mean, these are horrific things. Those daughters have sons. One's named Ben-Ami, who eventually become the Ammonites, who we've read about today. The other one has a son named Moab, who eventually becomes, of course, the Moabites. Okay, so I've told you all these stories. What is the point of this? Well, we see what these countries engage with in our story today. What started as a book in Genesis where God is trying to consistently tell people relationships are really important. Family is really important. You need to resolve conflict. You need to trust me. You need to walk in my statutes. And what we have is eventually we have the Edomites who are perpetually violent against their brother. We have the Ammonites who are ripping apart pregnant women with the sword in order to enlarge their border. And we have the Moabites who are desecrating the dead in order to send a message and create plaster and all of that. Awful. 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 
So what's the point in all this? Uh, these relationships that started back in Genesis devolved in some of the most horrific ways. What started as two brothers who should have learned to remove conflict and deal with each other ultimately becomes feuding nations. What starts as two daughters who grew up in a city where there's no way that they probably heard of the teachings of the Lord in some impactful and significant way eventually take matters into their own hands and and engage in incest with their father. And then those countries end up becoming violent, warring countries. So what's the point of this? Well, one, going back to our introduction, accusation, judgment area that we have, these things upset God. This, this feuding among brothers, that upsets God. This idea that you would humiliate a people like Gilead by tearing apart. The, what are these pregnant women going to do in warfare? Huh? And yes, you're worried about their sons because they're not going to be your sons, but you are just doing this to send a message to the people around you. And it is a horrific message and one that should not be tolerated. Why would you do that? And then desecrating the dead. What are you thinking, Moab? But you go all the way back and you think, what if Lot's daughter's had never done that? Like, what if they had honored their father in the way that they were supposed to? What if they had trusted Yahweh to provide for them husbands, even when it looked bleak? Or better yet, take on the honor of celibacy rather than the shame of incest, right? What if instead of Jacob and Esau allowing their feud to grow to they become warring nations, what if they had remained loyal and loving and kind? Would we even have these passages in Amos? So our big so what? Relationships are incredibly important to God. It's why he goes to great lengths to reconcile us to himself on the cross. It's why Jesus comes and and becomes among us, that the word of God comes and dwells among us and makes a way to reconcile us so that we can have a relationship with the triune God, that we in our union with Christ, once we believe in him, are united to the triune God who exists in self-donating loving relationship. Relationships are at the core of the Trinity. And they should be self-donating loving relationships then should be at the core of who we are. That is who we are meant to be. It's why God calls us ministers of reconciliation. It's why the Bible says, as far as it's up to you to live at peace with all men. It's why God says, blessed or beautiful is it when brothers and sisters live together in unity. It's like the oil dripping down the beard of Aaron is what it says in the Psalms. Relationships are incredibly important. And I believe that we sometimes devalue relationships when they can't get us something or they don't do something for us, or we allow conflict to be this thing that festers in our life and we don't think it's a big deal. Now, do I think the feud with your brother is going to ultimately turn into two feuding nations in 500 years, a thousand years? No, I don't. I I don't. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think many of us are that important. Um, Just going to say it. I, I don't, I don't think we're that important. Do I think God is giving us an incredible picture, though, of what can happen when we leave conflict unresolved and how it festers and balloons and grows and it affects more than just us now? Because now you're talking about affecting an entire people group. You think about how many people would have been spared from violence and injustice if these brothers could have gotten along. And so whole families divide. Whole churches divide. People that should have always been united end up dividing. And often when you get to the root of it, it often starts like these stories in Genesis daughters refusing to honor their father, brothers refusing to dwell in unity. Relationships are at the core of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit triune God. We should expect then that maintaining and preserving healthy relationships is a part of what it means to be the kingdom people of God. 
that we would take seriously the commands to work through our conflict before the sun sets down, that we would take seriously the commands to live at peace with each other and to seek reconciliation with each other. Now, I think it's important to say, if you are in an abusive relationship, I would never counsel somebody to stay in an abusive relationship, whether it's physical, emotional, or spiritual. I think that there are times that you need to get out of abusive relationships and find protection. So if you're considering that relationship as I'm talking, that's not what I'm talking about. I want you to be safe and I want you to be well. But if you've got a relationship with your, with your parent, with your in-law, with your sibling, with an old boss, with an old coworker, with an ex, with a fill-in-the-blank, and, and God is beckoning you to seek out reconciliation or to at least do your part. I mean, you can't do other people's part. But I think this picture of what we're seeing in the book of Amos is what happens when relationships devolve, that entire peoples are affected by that. And so the so what for us today is this, is that relationships are an incredibly critical component to what it means to be a healthy, functioning member of the kingdom of God. And we need to be diligent, eager, and zealous to maintain the spirit of unity and the bond of peace in the relationships around us. And so if you are not at peace with one of your brothers or sisters right now, my encouragement for you today is not... I'm not even encouraging you to seek them out right now so much as I want to encourage you to pray about it and ask God what he would have you do. And then to consider these warnings in the book of Amos of what can happen when relationships go untethered. And again, I'm not trying to say that your relationships will Sunday balloon out to warring nations. But I am saying there's often shrapnel in the way when relationships go un- unrepaired. God cares about you and he cares about your relationships and he cares that we would bear his image in that way, that we would go to great lengths like his son did to reconcile, that we would be people that go to great lengths to reconcile others as well. If nobody's told you today that they love you, I do. Way more importantly, the God of reconciliation is crazy about you. Peace.